Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Building Blocks podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bledsoe, and I'd like to give you a little insight into the future of the podcast and the direction we're taking. You spoke, we listened, and so we're releasing to many more platforms. So you can uh, find the podcast on the platform of your choice. I'd also like to give you a little bit of an idea of why we're, we're making the podcast and what the future direction is going to be. So my first idea for the podcast was primarily to do interviews. But it turns out that is uh, really hard. The scheduling, uh, tracking down interesting guests, convincing them to be on. Then, since everything is mostly remote, you have their recording environment and their recording equipment and their ability to record their own voice and send it to you separately, all as variables, which basically ruined some of my better content. I mean, I got uh, Dr. Craig S. Wright, a.k.a. Satoshi Nakamoto, on my podcast, but the audio made it almost unlistenable, so I need to get a transcript out and an audiogram to make it better, and then I'll re-release it. And I actually learned quite a bit since then, and what I should have done is at least ask him if he can turn the noise reduction on his side off so that I would have gotten better through Zoom. I asked him if he had the capability to record on his side. He said, and I asked him, you know, could he put up some noise muffling stuff to reduce echo? He said, no. So, you know, I got what I got. The sound quality is really atrocious, but the content was really good. I was back and forth on whether to release it. Finally, I did. I think it's important, especially for Dr. Wright, is can come across, let's just say, difficult. So I think it's important to continue to show the human side and get, let people understand why he can be the way he is sometimes. I feel like I have a little bit of an inside track on that. Having had friendships with people who were on the spectrum around where he probably is, or a little bit further into the spectrum, a little bit less social, less personable, a little bit more out of touch with the fact that other humans have feelings. I see all those qualities in Dr. Wright, and I felt like it was important that I publish something that showed a little bit more of his human side, that he's not just a caricature, and there's a reason why he takes a lot of the stances that he does that seem unreasonable to others. And that's just kind of a function of Asperger's a little bit. And when things don't go as you expect, or you think they should, when other people don't see what's obvious to you, someone with Asperger's can react uh, very negatively. The frustration tolerance can be low for certain things. And I, I just wanted to like have a fun conversation, show that there could, we could disagree and not have a you know fight about it. Uh, and it was, it turned out being a really fun conversation as most of my conversations with people who have Asperger's are. They're very wickedly smart most of the time. Clever, funny, very inventive and intuitive about certain things, but also very concrete thinker and forget that people's feelings are a real thing, just like uh, logic. And they have to be taken into account sometimes. So I feel like we did a good job of, of exposing that. So I published it, but the, the audio quality is atrocious and I still want to do interviews, even though they're, they're a lot more difficult. The scheduling is difficult. The editing is more difficult. I can basically record straight into a tool and have it create a transcript in real time, publish the audiogram and 
I can do all that much more quickly, much more quickly. So it lets me turn out content much more easily. I still want some interviews. So if you know someone who's interesting to talk to, encourage them to come on, encourage me to have them on. I'm at Bodger Legas on Twitter and Real World Podcast is the primary place where you'll always be able to find the latest content. So you can reach out to me. You can pew pew me on Handcash with uh, tips on who to interview. I wouldn't turn that down one bit. And anything that comes with money behind it obviously is going to be taken more seriously. So also your ability, your willingness to be on Handcash. I'm going to take you a little more seriously as somebody who's into Bitcoin. If you want to pew pew me, I'll never, ever turn that down. So the strategy has changed a little bit. I'll be doing a little bit more analysis and a little less interview, but still publishing interviews and uh, episodes of, that are just basically conversations. I don't really want to do interviews as much as I want to do conversations with interesting people. So that expect those to continue, but maybe at a little bit lower pace. And episodes like this, where I am doing a little bit more analysis, like my first two on the empty block mine, to be a little more frequently. So I'm also going to do some more content around what we've learned from the empty block miner. And I think it's reinforced a couple of things for, for me. That is, people who understand Bitcoin deeply often do not understand how to build and release products to market. And this is a place where everybody needs help. So I'm going to get, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. This is where I think I can really, really help people to engineer an engineering organization that can turn out product that cannot get mired in its own waste material. I have a long history as a consultant doing exactly that. I just kind of lost interest in doing that for organizations that I don't really even believe in their mission. And I want to do it with organizations that I do believe in their mission. And I, I think we can use Bitcoin to make the world a little bit fairer, a little bit uh, better, a little bit more just place. I think we can open up markets. We can really innovate and we can do a disruption in the truest sense where we start at the bottom of the market with the customers nobody else wants. But we need to, for that, we need mass adoption or we need enterprise support because there's very little money in the space right now. And that's the, I think that's the biggest problem that I'm facing in trying to stay in this uh, space is that there's very little VC money coming our way right now. Very few people have the money to, to employ a resource like me who can get $500 an hour in consulting when the right project comes along. And I'm still doing those from time to time. And that's the reason that I can continue to do this because I've kind of tapped my own resources and I'm kind of running on fumes a little bit, but occasionally something in uh, a consulting gig and something I've done in the past that pays me 400 to $500 an hour will pop up and that's keeping us keeping food on it. So I am available to do that. The bottom line is I really don't want to leave this field right now. I like it. I want to keep doing it. Don't really want to quit exactly right now, but I might, I might take a step back for a little while from just going all in on that. There's a lot of other things that are ancillary that are also related to the same mission that I can do. Send out advisor agreement to a new company today. It's a very interesting very interesting project. And I'll be honest with you, I'd love to go full-time with somebody at this point. All of the juggling is taking a toll on me. Uh, the uncertainty is taking a toll on me. I still want to keep doing the podcast. And maybe one day the podcast will turn into a media empire that will allow me to just do that and then whatever else I want. That, you know, we can dream. 
Probably not. Although I do have a sponsor. Uh, sponsor is CoinGeek, and CoinGeek puts out a lot of good materials on Bitcoin. Visit the sponsor. Hopefully, I'll be able to get a working Tonic Pal link that I can point you to, that you can help contribute to the podcast by following the Tonic Pal link to the CoinGeek resources that I think are most helpful to you. I want to talk about the sponsorship. So how did I get here to Bitcoin and to the, the place where I am, where I've become? In the past two years, I've gone from a blockchain admirer who thought there was no value left in blockchain, that nobody was going to do it the way it needed to be done, to someone who is essentially a Bitcoin Satoshi vision partisan, not a Dr. Craig Wright partisan, but Bitcoin Satoshi vision partisan, who I believe that this is our best chance to capture the value that we have available to us here. And CoinGeek as a also a partisan organization, let's be real, let's be frank, has an interest in helping keep people in this ecosystem. I think my podcast could be particularly valuable to them because I have some credibility as a having someone who's been named a thought leader list, someone who has a reputation in IT, a good reputation. I'll, let me let me verify that. Your mileage may vary. There's people that don't like me, sure. I ruffled feathers because you have to do that. If you're going to get the most out of your uh, organization, then you have to call out uh, bad ideas and the sources of them sometimes and point out why it's a bad idea. And diplomacy fails sometimes. And so sometimes you just have to be blunt and say, this is just not going to work. This is why I know it's something that you like, you've had experience with. It worked for you here, but here's why it won't generally work. Here's why what got you there will not take you from here. That was a lot of my consulting experience. I helped a lot of organizations turn it around. I've been the difference both as an employee, as a someone involved in build it, directly building the products on startups and uh, larger organizations, Fortune 500 organizations. I've been the difference between success and failure for projects, products, and company. And I have helped the Fortune 100, Fortune 500 to turn their ships around that are off on the wrong track, don't understand why they can't engineer. So this is not really meant to be a commercial for me personally and my consulting credentials. Uh, although I will take any leads you might until I get everything nailed down to where I've got a sustainable, I've got my own sustainable product engine running. For now, I do want to stay kind of at least in ancillary places related to Bitcoin, related to the mission of bringing peer-to-peer -peer cash system online, mainstream and functional. I have a more mainstream technology audience than probably some of the people who are in, in this space. I have a bit more history in the market and building product than probably almost anybody else in this space. I've done it across a wider variety of people, places, and things than probably anybody else in this space. So I think I have a unique voice and I think I can explain things in a way that can onboard interested entrants into this market, both enterprise and consumer, that pre preemptively red pills them and lets them know why the crypto consensus is wrong. It always was. Satoshi was right on almost everything that he said from the very beginning. And I want to help take this thing from here and help get 
things on the right track. So anyway, that's my personal mission. It's one that's shared by CoinGeek. I think that it makes sense. There's a lot of alignment of mission and purpose, which is why it makes sense for them to sponsor me. It's not huge money. It's not enough for me to live on, but it's enough for me to justify continuing to put time into this. I'd love to directly monetize it and not need any sponsorship. And eventually, hopefully, I'll get there. If you want to go out to Real World Podcasts and uh, purchase it, then that will help me to accomplish that mission. But in the meantime, I'm still open to sponsorships. Now, I'm not going to sell my soul. I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to say what I think. I'm not going to compromise my integrity for sponsorship. So everyone should know that. CoinGeek should know that. Hopefully that's clear because I'm disagreeing with Dr. Wright and the Bitcoin Association on what to do about empty block miner. I'm going to go, I'm going to do another episode on that and go into it in more detail. So just the, the fact that I'm taking sponsorship money from a partisan organization should not make you think that my integrity is compromised. I promise you it is not. And the moment someone asks me to do that, that's probably when our relationship is going to be over. Even the moment someone even hints that there could be some continued money on me compromising my integrity and my actual belief, that's probably going to be it for whatever relationship that we have. And I'd probably publicize that, to be honest with you. I'd probably tell you, well, so-and-so came to me and said, you should, you know, take this view for money. And uh, that's not something I'm willing to do. But I really honestly do believe, for reasons that I want to get into in future episodes, that um, Bitcoin Satoshi version is the, the way that we capture the value of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Cash got us part of the way, but I think it's just hopelessly behind, technically. The technology stack in Bitcoin SV is just too far ahead of the game. I think the ultimate vision and mission is correct in terms of how to implement this thing. I think there's no other way than the UTXO model that's going to scale the way that the UTXO model does. So no, I don't think Radiant Coin, the Radiant chain, is uh, viable because they're trying to split the difference between the Ethereum account model, which does not scale and will never scale, with any consensus model and the UTXO model that actually does scale. And the, the ultimate goal of the Radiant project was to solve for the back to Genesis problem, which has been demonstrated how to solve that in a different way using zero knowledge proofs. So I think it's important for me to make it clear that if you show me a technology that has more promise that can that can solve all the same problems in a better way that actually comes without some of the baggage that BSV has accumulated then I'd switch I'd switch immediately I'd switch instantly but I don't think you're going to be able to do that because there's a lot of factors that make that incredibly unlikely and I think if Bitcoin Satoshi version does not work, then I think that no peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash is going to work. Not in the same way, will not accomplish the same goals and the same mission. And therefore, I might be a passive user of such a system, but I would not be very enthusiastic about it or believe in it that it's making the world a better place the way that Bitcoin does. So I got into this space during the pandemic 
after I had given up a long time ago on Bitcoin because I saw that basically it had been sabotaged and the moves that were being made were seemed like they were designed to destroy it, to make gut to force governments to attack it and to make it where it can never be usable as cash. This was a big problem for me. So I guess I, I said to myself, I guess this is just never going to be what I wanted it to be, what I thought it could be. It's been taken over by people who don't understand that a government will do anything to crush things that take power from it too overtly. You have to work within at least some minimal compliance level to survive. And there are people who wanted to subscribe to this code is law mythology that's part of BTC maximal culture. And this is a this is a recipe for self-destruction. So I lost my enthusiasm for it and sold any all the coin that I had accumulated and just forgot about it. And then comes the pandemic and I had a little time on my hands because I had just exited a business and started looking around and noticed that there were some new contenders. I was still, I would say, blockchain agnostic, but after doing some research, you know, Solana was starting to make some noise. XRP existed. There were some that looked like they had the vision of a scalable micropayment layer one system. And I wanted to learn more. So I got, I, I set a goal to pitch myself into this ecosystem and I did. And by immersion, I put myself in a position where I had to learn uh, very deeply what the, what was going on and what did we have something that could actually work? Lo and behold, I came to the conclusion that we did. And the more I've learned about Bitcoin Satoshi version, the more it has become educational to me in terms of what are the characteristics that something has to have to be viable in the long term and solve the problems that Bitcoin solves, that Bitcoin was intended to solve by its inventor, Satoshi Nakamoto, who I believe the evidence overwhelmingly indicates is Dr. Craig Wright. Now, <clears throat> let me make a diversion. Let me take a second and talk about Dr. Craig Wright, because I think it's a mistake to make him the face of the, all the marketing material and PR, because he's just not, that's not what he's good at. What he's good at is providing vision, overview. He's not good at the public facing side of this. I just don't think he is. Maybe there's some stuff going on that's going to change things for the better in that regard. But I think the, I think the, the technology stands on its own. It doesn't even need a public face. What the technology needs is use cases. And these are not going to be built by Dr. Wright. Dr. Wright is building us a back end that will become plumbing and invisible. And until it becomes invisible plumbing, then Bitcoin has failed. So what we need is the maximum number of people doing the maximum number of things. And Bitcoin SV is designed to allow you to do that, which is why I think it's our best bet. But it's up to us to build compelling products and compelling use cases, compelling, compelling user experiences on top of that. Which is why I think it's important I start talking about this a little bit more. Uh, I think my next one is going to be on how do, you, how do you generate demand for a product that didn't release, that didn't exist a week ago? 
that didn't exist a year ago, that people don't understand, they don't know how to use it. I've been a part of an organization that was too far ahead of the market and didn't know how to generate demand. And one of the things that we tried in order to get people to use the product was to give it away. But the lowest possible price, free, doesn't entice people to use something that they don't see the use of. That the use case doesn't seem compelling enough to put in the effort it takes to get going with it. And this is, the, this is where we're at right now. And this is why I'm going to talk about demand generation and how pricing too low is a common marketing mistake because people don't value what is too cheap, especially at this, this moment where it's not invisible plumbing yet. Like, the price is not the problem. The tr transaction fee is not the problem that Bitcoin SV has as a product. The, the problem that it has is that there aren't compelling enough use cases built on top of it yet. People don't know about it, and people don't understand why it's any different than anything else. And there's a lot of people dedicated to making sure that continues to be true. That people don't understand it, spreading FUD about it. And, and I think it's actually going to be far more efficient. Rather than countering that FUD, is going to be to get use cases built that get people on it. Now, these can be enterprise-facing. You can fund a lot. If you can get one enterprise use case up, like, say, Certahash, that gets traction, then you can use that to fund a lot of additional work on, on the consumer side. But the money has to come from somewhere. I don't think we can count on it coming from venture capitalists who are not going to put generally the, the research in to figure out that this is the space to be in. So it's going to be bootstrapping. It's going to be pre-selling. It's going to be finding big money use cases like, like cybersecurity that make use of the unique properties of blockchain. And Serta Hash is certainly on a great, a great, a great track there. This is going to be the way that you get money into this ecosystem. And once somebody has something hit that either is compelling enough that a million people will sign up for a wallet to do, or someone will pay enough money that you can use it to fund additional use cases, then I think we're going to be at a disadvantage. We're going to have to bootstrap these things. We're going to have to, to stay in for the long term, assuming there's going to be lean lean times, not that much money. And this is why the lean methodology of maximizing value and minimizing waste is going to be very important. There's no way you're going to survive in the in this emerging market without being able to adapt to the market, without being able to pivot as use cases, as it becomes apparent what use cases are working, without having feedback loops that are built in that can let you derive from very small amounts of data differences in how people are responding to things. All of this can be done. I can even help you do it. But this is what we really have to do. This is the mission in front of us right now. So due to a technical limitation in my software, it's difficult for me to produce audiograms over 30 minutes. That's my limitation on uh, episode length right now.
I'm coming up to it. So I'm going to end this one for now. I'm going to try to release maybe three more episodes this week. So I'd like you to stay tuned. I hope I think you'll find my point of view very interesting. You may disagree with me. People often do. And I'd love to hear you articulate what's wrong with my arguments and my vision. I'd like you to tell me, because if you can show me why I'm wrong, I'll be eternally grateful. So for the Building Blocks podcast, this is Greg Bledsoe. Stay tuned on all the platforms. We're now available on YouTube, Spotify, and primarily Real World Podcast. That will be our preferred place. All content will go there for an exclusive period of time. Subscribe there to get the latest content as quickly as possible. There will be a delayed release on the free platforms, the free ad-driven platforms. So my whole vision here is to drive us away from free ad-driven platforms towards pay-as-you-go platforms. Some interesting developments. I've been talking with the folks over at Real World Podcast 2. They're going to be doing some interesting stuff. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Maybe I'll be able to have somebody from Real World Podcast on. And stay tuned. Much, much more to come.